Orchard Church. Good to see you guys this morning. Hey, we know it's a little stuffy in here. It's 100% better than it was first service. The school had an air conditioning unit go down, but they fixed it, so it should be cooling off as, as we move along. Hey, take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to Psalm 139, verse 23. Psalm 139, verse 23. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation if you want to follow along in your Bibles or on your, or your Bible apps. If you're new to the Bible and you have your Bible, you open up about to the middle, you should be able to find the book of Psalms. Psalm Psalm 139, verse 23. As you're turning there, uh, you know, one of our values here at Orchard Church that we say all the time is we're about building his kingdom, not our kingdom. Amen? And to whom much is given, much is required, and God has blessed us tremendously here at Orchard Church for the last 11 years. And so I had the incredible privilege and honor the last about five, six weeks uh, to go and visit five different church plants uh, here in the Denver metro area. These are churches that have just gotten started in the last year to two years. Some of them are just a few months old. Uh, these are up-and-coming church planters that I'm kind of coaching and mentoring and consulting with. And so it was just great to be with them and try to encourage them and just help them in any way that we can, the things we've learned here at Orchard Church, and I was only able to do that because we have such a healthy church here at Orchard that we have such incredible pastors that even when I'm away, they can step in, and can we just give it up for our pastors that filled in the last several weeks? Amen. They did an incredible job. I was so proud of all of them. I watched every single message, and I was just so proud of these guys and so pleased, and, and what a healthy place for us to be in, to have guys that can step in uh, like that. I really appreciate them. And I want to thank you guys uh, as a church. I'm proud of you guys as well, because you knew I was going to be gone. We announced that you knew for about four weeks I was going to be away, and sometimes in church where we say when the pastor's away, the people tend to play, but you guys were here. We actually had a record June attendance. Uh, here at Orchard Church while I was gone. So I need to leave more often, I guess. So it was awesome. Thank you guys for being faithful because it's not about me. It's not about any one person. It's about helping people find and follow Jesus. But I'm just so grateful those guys stepped in and did an incredible job. Another value we have here at Orchard Church that we sell all the time is that we are a church for our community, not just a church in our community. And last weekend, instead of having church services, we got to be the church and we served at two different schools. Uh, Spanish ministry served at Northeast Elementary in Brighton, um, our English services. Uh, we served over here at Timig Elementary. We had over 200 people that showed up and painted and dug weeds and did a, a remodel of, of these schools. So can we just thank all those people who served at Be the Church last weekend? So we could be there for our community. And I want to read this. This is uh, an email we received from Candace Reese, who's the Timig, uh, uh, Timig principal, where we did all of the, this work last week. She said, oh my goodness, Orchard Church, thank you so very much. What an awesome blessing you've been to our school community. Please know I truly appreciate your kindness. I know our school community will also. I am feeling so very, very blessed right now. Many blessings to Orchard Church family. So can we just celebrate one more time being able to make a difference? in our community in that way. And thank you to all of you who were able to come out and help out. Well, hey, I am excited to be back in my church with my church family today and kick off a three-part series that we're calling Game Changing Prayers. I've been looking forward to this for several weeks. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever used that phrase, oh, that's a game changer? You've said that. You know, we, we apply it to different things. This is a phrase that usually comes from the sports world. You know, in sports, we say, oh, that was a game-changing play. Or maybe a team gets a certain player. We say, 
man, that was a game changer when we got that player. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I heard that the Denver Broncos were getting Peyton Manning, I was like, that's going to be a game changer, and it was. Or when we got a guy like Von Miller, I mean, we would all agree he's been a game changer. Uh, if you're like me and you love the Colorado Rockies, they're doing pretty good this year. Um, Nolan Arenado, I mean, that guy is a game changer. Uh, many sports announcers are saying we may be watching the best third baseman to ever play the game. They're game changers. They're game changers. Yeah, we well, celebrate that. That's cool. Roof our Rockies, all right. But, but we have game-changing things that happen in our lives as well. Maybe you get that dream job or you get that promotion and you say, that was a game-changer when that happened. Or you get that degree, you get your master's, you get your doctor, you get your bachelor's, and you say, that was a game-changer. Maybe when you met your spouse and you got married, that was a game-changer. Amen, married couples? In a good way. Okay, it was a good game changer, let me just say that. And then when you decided to have kids, parents, when those kids came into your life, that was definitely a game changer and a diaper changer as well, right? And, and then, you know, maybe for some of you, you, you did not heed the wisdom and love and, and gracious words of your pastor and you went out and decided to get that cat anyway, that was a game changer. You knew I had to have a cat joke. I haven't had a cat joke in like five weeks. I had to have at least one. I might have more than one. Hang in there. But today we're going to talk about game-changing prayers, the, this three-part series. And I'm so excited about this series. I'm pumped about this series because I truly believe that this could change the trajectory of some of your lives. I really believe this. I mean, you could, you, some of you, you may look back to this series and say, that was a game changer when we went through that series at Orchard Church because of what God is going to do in and through your life, through his word, by being willing to pray these great game-changing prayers. It's going to be a game changer for some of you individually and in your relationship with God. For some of you, it's going to be a game changer in your marriage, in your family, your relationship with your kids. But I want to warn you and tell you this, because these are game-changing prayers, they're not safe prayers. They're not easy prayers. They're not benign, generic prayers. These are game-changing prayers. And I think if we're honest, myself included, oftentimes when we pray, we pray generic, predictable, safe prayers. If you're with me, say yes. You know, we, we pray things like, you know, God, be with me. That's a safe prayer. You know, God, bless me. God, bless my home. Safe prayer. God, protect me. That's a doubly safe prayer. Safe prayers. These are game-changing prayers from the Word of God that are risky prayers. I heard a quote recently that said, a life without risk is a life wasted. And I, I want us to be willing to take some risk in our Christian life, in our walk with the Lord, in our prayer life. And so we're going to look at these three different game-changing prayers. And I'm going to tell you where we're going next week. Man, it's a doozy. And some of you, I'm going I'm to tell you this, and you may be even afraid to come. We're going to pray the prayer, God, break me. Some of you are like, okay, I'm skipping that one. Please don't, because what you'll find is on the other side of brokenness, God puts the pieces back together, and beautiful and amazing things happen. It's game-changing in our life. You don't want to miss it. The third week of this series, we're going to talk about this prayer, praying this game-changing prayer, God, send me. God, I'm giving you a blank check on my life. Send me wherever you want to send me. Do whatever you want me with my life. I, I'm yours. Send me. Today, the game-changing prayer is this. Search me. Everybody say, search me. Search. 
search me. God, search me. This is a game-changing prayer that's going to take all of us out of our comfort zone, but we can see God do amazing things in our life. This prayer is found in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. We'll also put it on the screen, and and I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to ask us to read it aloud together, because I really want this prayer to become our prayer, this game-changing prayer. Now, let me give you the context. This is David, the psalmist, praying this prayer that is recorded in Psalm 139. He's praying this to God. And what's interesting is this is during a time in David's life where he's running from his enemies and they're mistreating him. They're falsely accusing him. And now if I'm David and I'm praying, I'm like, God, you know, get them, take them out, send some fire down from heaven. But instead of focusing on the enemy, he focuses on himself and what God wants to do in him and through him. And he prays this amazing, game-changing prayer in Psalm 139, verse 23. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Can we pray that out loud together? Let's just say this out loud together uh, this morning. Let's read it together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That is a game-changing prayer. There are four parts to this prayer in verse 23 and 24 that I want us to unpack and look at in detail this morning so this prayer can become our prayer. I hope you'll take some notes on the back of your newsletter. The first thing that we see is David prays, search me. Search me, O God, and know my what? Church, know my my heart. Now, what's interesting is in Psalm 139, verse 1, when he starts this, this psalm, it says, O Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. So why then is David saying later in this chapter, you know, God, you know, search my heart. You know, God, I want you to, to know my heart because God has already examined his heart. God already knows what's in our heart. If you agree, say yes. Okay, this isn't for God as much as this is for David. David, to be revealed what is in his heart when he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Why do we need to pray a prayer like this? God, search me and know my heart. Because we often say things, you know, like, I've got a good heart after all, and you've got a good heart, she's got a good heart, we've all got a good heart. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, nope. <laughs> nope, we don't. You say, okay, what are you basing that on, Pastor Doug? Well, let me give you an example. Jeremiah 17, 9. Watch this. It says, the human heart is the most beautiful and loving things that God has made. Is that what it says? No, that's, what, that's how we want it to read. That's what we think. No, it says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and is desperately wicked. You won't find that cross-stitched on a pillow, okay? Who really knows... How bad it is. That's what the scriptures say about our heart. The truth is, for you and I, without Jesus, our hearts are messed up. They are jacked up. We're all in need of a heart transplant because our hearts deceive us and trick us and lie to us all the time. So when somebody says something like, you know, I know you've got a decision to make. You've got to choose a spouse. Just follow your heart. No! That is the worst thing you could do. Follow God. Follow his word. Follow his spirit. Because the truth is, if we're honest and we're real, Pastor Doug is back. We keep it real. And I appreciated the way the other guys kept it real. The truth is, we are all a bunch of liars. 
Okay, if you would agree that most of us are liars, would you please raise your hand nice and high? Okay, keep them up. Look around. If you see anyone not raising their hand, just stare at them for a moment and point at them and say, liar, liar, pants. No, don't do that. Don't do that. No, don't do that. We're all liars. We all deceive ourselves. And here's what I would say about lying. The most common lies that we tell are the lies that we tell ourselves. We deceive ourselves. We trick ourselves. We lie to ourselves. That's why it's so important to pray a prayer like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Reveal what's really there. Because we're good at deceiving ourselves and lying to ourselves. You know, we say things like, yeah, I don't eat that much. I, I can't help it if Krispy Kreme donuts were buy one, get one free. You know, I mean, I, I'm not materialistic. I just like nice things. And after all, Pastor Doug says it's not wrong to have nice things as long as nice things don't have you. I, I don't have an anger problem. What, what do you mean you, you're telling me I have an anger? I do not have an anger problem. We lie to ourselves. You know, I, listen, I don't struggle with pride. I can't help it if God made me a little better than everybody else. I mean, what am I supposed to do? You know, I, I don't have a problem with lust. I just appreciate a nice physique, you know, that God has made. We lie to ourselves. Oh, at Christian, as Christians, we do this one a lot. You know, I'm not a gossip. I don't talk about other people. The only reason I share that is so that we can pray for them. We all lie to ourselves because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. We don't even really understand how bad it is. That's why we've got to be willing to pray a game-changing prayer like David prayed, where we pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. Why? So we can see what God sees. So it can be revealed to us. And, and I've shared uh, this story in the past, but I want to share it again because it's applicable today. It's very meaningful in my life, and, and some of you may not have heard it. But I remember uh, when I prayed this prayer or form of this prayer many years ago. I was about uh, 31 years of age, 32 years of age. I'd been married about you know, six years and I was pastoring my first church in Kokomo, Indiana. It sounds tropical. Believe me, it is not. Okay? But um, I had become pastor of my first church. And I, you know, had been married about five years. I had two young kids at, at home. Shelly did and I did. They were about three and one at the time. And I, I remember thinking, you know, a lot of these young couples in our church, they, they need help with their marriage. They don't have great you know, godly marriages. A lot of them need to help. They need to be better husbands. They need to be better fathers. They need to be better mothers. They need to be better wives. And so I, I'm going to help them out. And I'm going to, we need to fix them with God's word. So I, I, I called a pastor friend of mine who's a, a, a great speaker and I brought him in and we went away and we went on this marriage retreat. And I did what I always did at every retreat before the retreat started. And I, I turned it over to him to speak. I said, now I want you to pray a prayer like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. God, what do you want to do in my life? How do you want to change me? You know, not my spouse, but me. And I challenged them to pray that. And I said, let's just pray that right now before we, we hear the, the word of God this, this weekend at this retreat. And so they're all praying it. And I'm praying it. But I'm more praying it for all of them than I am myself. But God heard it because I needed it to be prayed for myself. Because what I realized that weekend, you know, almost 20 years ago, was that I was deceiving myself as a young pastor. And it was that weekend that God rocked my world. And I realized 
I wasn't being the best husband I could be. I wasn't being the best father I could be. I was still acting like I was in college or high school, and I was, I was playing golf all the time. There's nothing wrong with playing golf, except I was shirking my responsibilities as a father and as a husband. I was playing golf two and three times a week, and I remember God woke me up that weekend, and I recognized I had been deceiving myself, and I went home, and I, co- I confessed it to God, and I confessed it to Shelly, and I was sobbing that weekend. It was a game-changing weekend in my life. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind if I had not prayed that prayer and listened and allowed God to answer, I wouldn't have the marriage that I have today. I might not even have my marriage today. I wouldn't have the relationship, the incredible relationship I have with my kids today if I had not been willing to pray that game-changing prayer and allow God to work in my life. And I look back on that some 20, almost 20 years ago, and it changed the trajectory of my life. And I believe that th- these kind of prayers, these game-changing prayers can do this in your life as well. As you pray a prayer like this, search me, O God, and know my heart. I want to see what you see. I don't want to deceive myself any longer. It's a game-changing prayer. It was for me, and it can be for you guys. The second part of this prayer that we see David pray, not only does he pray, search me, O God, and know my heart, but he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Well, what is David saying when he prays this prayer? And He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. He's saying to God, reveal my deepest fears. My anxious thoughts, what, what is it that ke- keeps you up at night? What are you anxious about? What are you afraid of? And, I, and I'm not talking about, you know, like snakes and spiders and cats. <laughs> or the guy that you know is under the bed, so in the middle of the night, you know, if your foot falls off the side, you pull it back real quick because you know one of these days, he's never been there, but one of these days, he's going to be there and he's going to grab your foot. <laughs> Am I the only one that struggles with that? Okay, I just needed to get that off my chest. I'm not talking about those kind of fears. I'm talking about fears of losing our job, anxious about our finances, our marriage. Are we going to stay together? Are we going to make it? So few are making it. Maybe you're a single person and you're fearful that I'm always going to be single. Everybody else is getting married and I'm not getting married. Maybe you're anxious and you're fearful about your kids. What if something bad happens to my kids? Maybe you're anxious or fearful about your health or somebody you love and their health. A lot of people struggle with this fear. They're anxious about rejection. They're fearful of failure. They're just fearful of the unknown. We all struggle with different fears, and that's why we need to pray this game-changing prayer with David where he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, point out to me where I'm afraid and where I need to trust you more. You have this in your notes. I would argue this all day long. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. And I heard one faint amen up there, and I really appreciate that. So let me say that again. Where we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. And so when we pray this prayer, it's a game-changing prayer because it reveals to us areas of our life we need to trust God more. And we pray like David, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Where do I, God, need to trust you more? Maybe it's your marriage that you need to trust God more with. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your your health. Maybe it's your, your kids. And, you know, I I would never ask you guys to do something that I'm unwilling to do. And I've been preparing for this message and knowing this was coming for about five, six weeks. So guess what I've been doing? I've been praying this prayer. I've been thinking about this prayer. I've been meditating on this prayer. And as I prayed, you know, okay, God, I'm, I'm pretty confident most of the time. You know, I'm not sure what I'm afraid of. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Is there anything that I'm fearful of? If I can just keep it real and honest this morning, let me tell you how God answered. Because God, when we pray like this, he does answer. And the way he answered is, you know, Doug, one of your biggest fears is you're, you're afraid of failing. 
You're afraid of failing. And a lot of people have that fear. You know, I grew up in a home where my dad worked 10, 12-hour days, six days a week. And on Sunday, if he didn't go to church, and sometimes he didn't, sometimes he didn't, he was sleeping all day. And so I always wondered, am I, am, am I, you know, is my dad proud of me? I knew my dad loved me and he accepted me, but because we didn't spend much time together, I was closer to my mom. You know, I always wondered, do I live up, you know? Am, am I meeting the standard? Is he, is he proud of me? Is he pleased with me? And, and, and I, what I realized is through my adult life, you know, if my earthly father, if I'm not sure if he's proud of me and pleased with me, and he's gone on to be with the Lord, you know, some 12 years ago, then, you know, am I pleasing my heavenly father? Have I, have I done enough? Have I, have I lived up enough? And listen, I'm not telling you guys this so that afterward you can come by and go, oh, Pastor Doug, you're, you know, no, I'm just trying to keep this real because that's the only way this will really work and matter. And I think about Orchard Church in the last 11 years and all the incredible, amazing things God has done to help us fulfill the mission he gave us to help people find and follow Jesus. We have had thousands of people say yes to Jesus. We have baptized over 1,000 people who have gone public with their faith. This year, we're, we're hoping and praying we're going to baptize over 200 people this year alone. Can we praise God for that? I mean, that's amazing. We... We have not only started this church, we started Orchard Church in Erie, and we've been a part of 12 different church plants that we've supported, and we're mentoring and helping. We're, we help missionaries all around the world. We're making a difference in this, this community, and it's amazing what God is doing. But I believe God is just getting started as we move into the building next door. And how many of y'all saw that they put our name on the building? <laughs> Woo! It's really ours. <laughs> It was like, wow, it really is ours. It was such an awesome thing. And as excited as I am about that opportunity to go into that building because it's going to help us to fulfill our mission in a greater way to help more people find and follow Jesus because the only reason for a facility is to better facilitate our mission and our, and our ministry. I'm scared. I'm afraid sometimes, if I'm being honest. Can I handle this? I've, I've never pastored a church this size. I've never been a part of a staff this size. I've never done this. And when I, I get fearful in life, I've asked God to test me and reveal my anxious thoughts and my fears. You know what God has said to me? Some of the same things I say to you guys all the time. Where God guides, he provides. That God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And he reminded me that this has been an 11-year journey of faith and it better continue to be a journey of faith. It's not about me. It's about him. And what he's done in the past, he'll continue to do in the future. And I think it's also God's way of keeping me humble because I'm a little scared. And so when we have those anxious thoughts and we have those fears and God reveals them to us, we're reminded of the truth of God's word that perfect love casts out fear. And God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is still true, that if we will trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not on our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge him, he will direct our path. Do you believe that, Orchard Church? And I have to remind myself we have to remind ourselves of that. When we pray this game-changing prayer, test me and know my anxious thoughts and reveal them. I'm reminded that in the Bible, over 365 times in one form or another, God says, don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be dismayed. Don't be anxious. I've got this. It's a game-changing prayer when we say, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Why? So we can know where we have to trust him more when we need to trust Him more. It's a game changer. It's a game changing prayer. When we pray, search me, test me. Here's the third thing that David prayed. Point out to me. Point out to me. He says, point out anything in me that offends you, God. 
Point out, what, what is David praying here? I mean, he really ups the game here. Point out anything in me, God, that offends you. What's he saying? Point out my sins. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a game-changing prayer to pray to God. And you know, I, I say this often, be careful what you pray for, you just might get it. But this is a game-changing prayer. It's a risky prayer, but it's a game-changer. Point out anything in me that offends you, God. This is tough, but this is how we get right with God. Now, here's how a lot of us want to read this. Point out anything in my spouse, God, that offends you. <laughs> Point out anything in my kids, God, that offends you. Listen, Orchard Church, some of you in your marriages... You, you, don't, you don't need marriage counseling. You need to pray this prayer. Point out anything in me that offends you, God. If a husband will pray that prayer, listen and respond, and a wife will pray that prayer and listen and respond, and both of them are getting right with God, you're going to have a marriage right with God. This is a game-changing prayer for your marriage, for your family, because we pray, point out anything in me. And why is it so important, and why is this a game-changer that we say, point out anything in me that offends you because we're really good at pointing out everything in everybody else. <laughs> I know I am instead of me. I find that sometimes in my life, and do you find this to be true? It's so easy and we're so quick to accuse others and excuse ourselves. Anybody else with me? I'm the only one. Quit polishing your halos, y'all. Come on now. <laughs> it's so easy to accuse others and point fingers at others but excuse what we do. Uh, this happened to me uh, recently. In, in the six weeks that I was off, we did uh, fit in a little family vacation for a couple of weeks. We, we went to San Diego, California and Anaheim and, then we and we drove there and we drove back. And let me just tell you, I am never ever going to consider living in California. Okay, if you think that driving is bad in Denver, it's nothing compared to California. And I'm not a patient person by nature, especially in the car. And I, I, I planned out the trip that we were going to drive you know, like from Los Angeles to San Diego. And it was like 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, everybody will be working. Nobody will be on the road. Wrong. Everybody, I'm like, what? Do these people not work? Ten-lane highway, bumper to bumper. What was I thought was going to take an hour and a half took like you know six hours. And I mean, your pastor, it was my sanctification was almost gone. I'm just telling you. And I'm driving, and I'm, I, I did not curse out loud one time. I did have to get a lot. I had to have. We stopped at a restaurant, and I had to put myself in timeout. That's a story for another day. I was so frustrated, and I was like, "These people are crazy, and these people are nuts, and what are these people thinking? And they're going to kill somebody." And I was, I was remember that I would be in these lanes, and people would jump out of the lanes, and the shoulder that you're not supposed to drive on, they get on the shoulder, and they drive for miles. I'm like, "What? These people are idiots. This is crazy." Somebody said, "Amen." And then I came back to Denver a couple weeks later, true story, and I was going to have lunch with a church planter that was praying about coming to, to Denver, and I was, was mentoring him, and I took Ryan Singleton, our church plant catalyst and student director, with me to the lunch, and he's from California. And we, we were running a little bit late, but I was like, I can make up the time. We had to drive down to our Arvada and leave the ministry center, and guess what I run into? A train. Well, I didn't run into the train, but you know, there was a train. You know, that's... Ugh. So there's this two miles backed up. I'm like, we're going to be late. This is crazy. I said, I know a back way. So I shoot off through this back way, 
found out my back way just put me back out on the same road. I was maybe about a half a mile further. And there's, a, I mean, there's like a mile and a half of cars backed up at this train. And a bunch of them are semis. And I know there's a light on the other side of the train. I'm like, we're never going to make it. This is crazy. But what I noticed, it was two lanes, one going this way, one coming this way. There was no one in this lane because the train was there. And I prayed about it for a second and I said, you know what? I'm doing the work of the Lord trying to advance the kingdom of God to meet a church planner for the glory of Jesus. And so I jump into that lane and I go past about a mile past all these semis and then I whip in front of a semi and I'm like, "Woo!" And Ryan Singleton looks over at me and he goes, what are you from California? He goes, don't forget about that orchard sticker on the back there, Pastor. I'm like, ah, I've been meaning to take that off. My, my staff says, we need a sticker on the back of your truck that says, Pastor of Orchard Church. That would calm down. But it was uh, the very thing that I was telling everybody else they were doing wrong. I end up doing the same thing. We're good at that. And that's why we need to pray this kind of game-changing prayer. Point out anything in me that offends you, God. And when you do this, you're giving God permission to speak into your life. It's a game-changing prayer. Let me give you three very practical questions to ask yourself. You have them in your notes that, that might be useful to help you to know if God is, is trying to point out something in you. And God often uses other people, godly people, to point things out in us. What are others trying to tell me? What are others trying to tell me? I mean, when you have multiple people, not your enemies, but people that love you and care about you, and they're like, you know, you really need to work on this. You really need to think about this. The common denominator might be you, okay? That, that may be God trying to point something out to you that needs to change. What have I rational, rationalized for some time? What have I rationalized for some time? You know, I can handle it. I can quit whenever I'm ready. I need this to cope. Yeah, it's really not a big deal. It's not, not hurting anybody. Everybody else does it. God may be pointing something out to you. Where am I most defensive? You want to know if God's trying to point something out to you that maybe needs to change? Where am I being most defensive? Hey, we're not talking about that. We're not going there. I said we're not going there. God may be using these things to point out something in me, something in us. You know, God, point out anything in me that offends you. I dare you to pray that prayer and be ready for the answer. It's a game-changing prayer. And, you know, I've seen in my life that at times God has used godly, loving, caring people to point things out, not to hurt me, but to help me. I remember particularly several years ago, um, I say this all the time to our, our staff and our leadership team here at Orchard Church, and when I teach on leadership um, with other church planners, that as you work with people long enough, one of the things you're going to learn about yourself and about other people is that our greatest strengths can also be our greatest weaknesses. I believe our weaknesses are just our strengths out of balance. You know, for instance, if someone is, you know, easygoing and laid back and life of the party and everybody loves them, you know, that's a great strength and people like to be around them. But when they are put in leadership positions, sometimes it's a weakness because they struggle to have the hard conversations and, and confront in a loving way. And if, you, if you're with me, say yes. Okay, And then on the flip side, if you're a, an A-type personality and you're very passionate and emotional, and I know you guys probably didn't know this, that's me. Okay, just in case you're wondering. You know, when you're very strong, you're very passionate and emotional, God can use that, and that can be a great thing in leading people and casting vision. But if you're not careful and it gets out of balance, you can say things sometimes in a way that you shouldn't say them. 
Any A-type personalities with me? Okay, you know what I'm talking about? And it's not what you say. You, most of the time you're right, but it's how you say it. You ever heard that? It's not what you say, it's how you say it. I, I see a lot of couples not doing this right now. Bam, bam, boom, okay? And so in my life, in my leadership, that's something I, I've always struggled with, probably will always have to be aware of, and I'm having to mature and grow in this. And several years ago, I won't bore you with the details, but, but I had a, a, a situation. I got emotional. I was right. I was absolutely right. Everybody around me said I was right in how I dealt with and what I said, but not how I said it. I even had to apologize to the person. I said, please forgive me. You know, I, I know what I said was right, but I didn't say it right. Will you forgive me? They said, I do. And they were very gracious. And, and the relationship was, was, was moved on. And it was great. And I remember I was praying about it. You know, how do I, how do I make sure there's a balance there and, and, and my emotions and passion don't get the best of me. And I, I was praying, God, help me with this. God, work in me mature with me because I, I want to be a godly leader and a loving leader and, and but yet use the strengths that you've given me and I was praying about it and God gave me the answer and he pointed something out to me and the Holy Spirit of God showed up to me in the form of a woman named Shelly Dameron <laughs> my wife and I remember we were, we were talking about this, and I said, I, I, you know, I, I got to watch this. I got to be careful with this. And she, she said, well, honey, and she's so sweet, honey, can, can I lovingly tell you something? And I said, yeah. And, you know, she did it in the right spirit, and she said, you know, you're a strong leader. You're a passionate leader. You're an emotional leader, and you, you don't ever want to lose that. But here's what I see happen sometimes, because you're usually right. You know, what you're, what you're going to bat for, you're usually right. But she said, here's what I see happen. Oftentimes, you win the argument but you lose the person. And I heard that that day. I heard that, and I've never forgot it. And it helped me to grow, and it helped me to mature, because somebody who loved me and cared about me pointed something out to me. Maybe that's happening in your life. Somebody's trying to tell you something. Somebody's trying to help you. And when you pray this game-changing prayer, God, you know, point out anything in me that offends you. We need to listen to those people that love us and care about us. Amen? We need to listen. We need to listen. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. You know, if it, point out if it's my pride, God, if it's materialism, if it's lust, if it's an addiction, if it's gossiping, if it's a critical spirit, if it's just an area of disobedience. And when you, listen, when you pray this prayer, God is going to point some things out. And he's not going to point these things out to make you feel bad and shame you and beat you down. That's what Satan, our enemy, does. When he points these things out, here's the good news. 1 John 1, 9 is still true. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Are we thankful for that this morning, Orchard Church? Can we praise him for that? We confess to God for forgiveness when he points these things out. And then we confess to others for healing. You know, James says... Confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. The beginning to healing is revealing your feeling and being open and honest. And that's one of the things we love about Orchard Church. This is why it's important to be in a small group. So as God answers these prayers and he points things out, people that love you and care about you can speak into your life and pray for you, encourage you, and not, not shame you or guilt you or beat you down. Listen, you say, well, I don't know if I want to be a part of a church that's that open and that honest. Listen, we are not a perfect church. Because we are not perfect people, I'm not a perfect pastor. So if you're looking for the perfect church, then you're going to have to take your halo and polish it somewhere else. 
We are not a perfect church. Here's what we are, Orchard Church. We are imperfect people being transformed by the power of a perfect God. That's who we are. And we're willing to pray a game-changing prayer that says, point out to me. Point out in me anything that offends you, God, so that you can change me because I want to be right with you. Search me. Test me. Point out to me. And then as God does that, we pray the fourth part of this verse. And then lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lead me. Help me get back on the right path, the right track. Because when we pray, search me, test me, point out to me, God's going to reveal some things to us. He's going to answer that. Some areas we need to change. And that drives us to our Savior. That, that points us to Jesus who will help us and guide us. And through his power and grace, he'll get us back on the right path. He will lead us. You believe that, church? He will lead us. And as we wrap this up this morning, again, just keeping this very real and very honest, you, you've had one morning to think about this prayer. I've had about six weeks to pray this prayer and think about this prayer and meditate on this prayer. And as I've prayed this prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Where, where am I not trusting you? Point out anything in me that is offending you. And then lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let me honestly tell you how God has and is continuing to use this in my life. And I'm going to ask you guys to pray for me as I'll be praying for you. As I prayed this prayer, God began to reveal some things to me. We're at a crossroads in the history of Orchard Church as we, you know, move out of rented facilities and portable facilities into a permanent facility and things like that. And, I, and, I, and as I've been spending the last six weeks, you know, meeting with these church planners that many of them are at the beginning of their journey like I was 11 years ago. And many of them are, some of them haven't even moved to Denver yet and they're praying about coming here and they're asking me as a, uh, the, the old guy, church planter, the veteran, you know, how did you know? And God was beginning to remind me that, you know, before we moved to Denver and we moved here and we didn't know anybody, we had no friends, no family, no one here, and we had no idea where we were going to meet or what, what God was going to do through this church. That was an intense time of prayer and in God's word and trusting God's word like I, like I never had happened in my entire life. And now here we are 11 years later and everything that God has done to help people find and follow Jesus and as I prayed this prayer, this game-changing prayer, God has revealed some things to me. And here's honestly what he said to me. You know, Doug, you got to be careful because for the last 11 years, you've been so busy doing the work of the Lord. If you're not careful, you'll forget the Lord of the work. You've been so busy at times doing ministry, you forget about intimacy with your Savior. I'm just being honest. And I think that happens to most people in ministry at some point. Because I'm always in the Word and I'm always praying and things like that. But just me and the Lord, just keeping it real. And this really came to a head. And, and, and I thought that's what God was saying to me, but my heart is deceitful and I tried to push it away. I'm in the Word and I pray and I'm okay. And let me tell you where it really came to a head and was a game-changing moment. It was a couple of weeks ago and I was meeting with a church planner that was praying about coming to Denver and I said, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that God's called you to Denver? And he said, I'm about an 8. And I said, well, unless you get to a 10, don't come. 
This has to be of God. And he said, well, how do I get to attend? And I said, there is no substitute to you and your personal relationship and walk with the Lord and your prayers to him and him answering his, your, your prayers and your time in God's word. And I said, that's what I had to do 11 years ago. And if I had not done that, I would, not have nev- I would have never started Orchard Church and God revealed that. And that's what you've got to do. There is no shortcut to that. It's just you and the Lord. And no sooner did I get those words of advice out and I begin to cry. And I think the church planner thought, oh, wow, he really cares about me as a church planner. And what he didn't realize was I no sooner got those words out and God said, take your own advice, Doug. Take your own advice. One of my favorite verses where Jesus said, I am the vine and you're the branch and apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's true for me, and that's true for our team, and that's true for Orchard Church. It's amazing what happens when you pray these game-changing prayers. When we pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting. And when you pray that and you're willing to listen, God is going to show you your deepest need and he's going to show you how Christ can always meet our deepest need. Search me. I want to see, God, what you see. Test me. Where do I need to trust you? Point out to me where I need to get right with you and then lead me to make sure I'm on the right path. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to put this verse on the screen again and I want us to pray it as a prayer right now as a church together. Out loud. Let's pray it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Heavenly Father, may this prayer become our prayer, a game-changing prayer in our lives. As we continue in attitude of prayer right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, believers in Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you a question. And, I only, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, but only raise your hand if God is truly speaking to you. Do not do this for me. Do not do this for anybody else. I don't want anybody guilted or pressured into this. But I want to ask you, how many of you would say, I believe I need to pray this prayer and I will commit to praying this prayer and listening to God's answer and respond every day this week. I promise, every day this week, I'm going to make this prayer my prayer and I'm going to listen to how God speaks to me. If that's you and God's speaking to you that way, would you lift up your hand all across this auditorium? God bless you. God bless you guys. I love you so much. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that we would make this game-changing prayer our prayer, that we would listen to your response, and that we would respond in absolute obedience, that we would be doers of your word and not hearers only, and that it might be a game-changer in our lives, in our marriages, in our family, in our personal walk with you. As we continue an attitude of prayer right now, for some of you this morning, God is revealing that the first prayer you need to pray, the game-changing prayer you need to pray is to invite Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. If you can't look back on a time in your life where you say, I know that's when I accepted Christ, today's your day. And, and, and I want to lead you in a prayer of faith. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This isn't a magic prayer. These aren't magic words. But if you'll pray this prayer with me and it will truly come from your heart, a heart of faith to God, you can invite Jesus into your life today. And it'll be a game-changer. And that's where it all begins. It's the most game-changing prayer and the first and most important prayer that you could ever pray. You know who you are if God is speaking to you this morning. I'll help you with the words, but it must come from your heart. Would you pray this prayer with me if God's speaking to you? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross 
for me to take away all my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I'm saying yes to you today. Thank you for loving and changing me. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue in attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around for a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer, that's a game-changing prayer. And that's the greatest decision you could ever make. And I would love the privilege and honor to pray for you, that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So right now, without hesitation, nobody looking around but myself, if you prayed that prayer, can I pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand all across the auditorium, lift them up nice and high. God bless you, ma'am, over here. God bless you, sir, right down here. God bless you right here, ma'am. God bless you, young man over here. God bless you up here. God bless you in the middle. couple people, God bless you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hey, let me pray for you. Father, we just rejoice and celebrate in all those saying yes to you today. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for their game-changing decision, and we praise you for it, and we celebrate that this morning prayer. All this in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Let's celebrate those putting their faith in Christ today. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you just raised your hand and you said, I prayed that prayer, I meant it, it's the, it's the most important game-changing decision you could ever make. And so I want to ask you to fill out that connection card. Just take it out right now. Um, give us your name, your mailing address. Check that box that says, I accepted Christ. Drop it in the offering bucket and we receive our gifts so we can continue to pray for you by name and uh, send you a book in the mail called Seven Steps to Joy. So you'll be doing that right now. Um, if you're a first-time guest this morning, thanks so much for being our guest here at Orchard Church. Uh, sorry for the... the heat this morning. We're getting that adjusted. Hopefully you filled out those guest connection cards. Please drop those in the offering bucket as it goes by in just a moment. We are not interested in your money today, first time guests, but we're definitely interested in you. And so we're going to send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail uh, as you drop that in. If you're new to Orchard Church today over the last several weeks, I'd love to meet you personally. I'll be hanging out by the blue uh, tent, the new here start here tent so please come by introduce yourself um, next week we're going to continue game changing prayers and we're going we talk about a risky game changing prayer where we say god break me all right D listen be here it's going to be a blessing to you you don't want to miss it uh, next week let's stand right now as we close in a song of worship also worship the lord through our tithes and offerings because as a church family we want to be a church that gives to god first saves second and lives on the rest i love you orchard church it is so good to be back home Love you guys.